Hey, it's Jeff McNichol down here at Mom's Music, 1900 Melwood Avenue. I was just thinking, when I was a kid, the magic was at Frankfurt Avenue, the Mom's Music at Frankfurt Avenue, and I used to beg people to get a ride down there just to hang out with the guys and see all the cool gear. Now that I'm the owner of this store, it's like a dream come true. We're recreating the magic with the vibe that we used to have at the old store. We're carrying all the gear that you're going to possibly want. We're giving you the outstanding service and personal attention that you deserve. Yeah, so we've got the great guitar shop here. We're carrying USA Fender, USA Gibson, Paul Reed Smith, Gretsch, Jackson, Charvel, anything you could possibly want. We're going to have it for you. Mom's is and always will be Louisville's music store. Thank you for tuning in to The Metal Forge. I am Mark Jackson, and I am your host. The premise of the show is pretty simple. Awesome interviews and awesome music. If you want to contact me, hit me up at MetalForgeRadio at gmail.com or visit the website, MetalForgeRadio.com. And now, let's get this show on the road. Thank you all for tuning in to The Metal Forge. I'm your host, Mark Jackson, and it is the last Metal Forge of January of 2021. I have today on the show Andrew McKnight from Skyrider in Newcastle, England. And what an awesome way to close out the month of January with this band. So fucking cool. You know, you're into that traditional heavy metal style, like I seem to be, of course, because, hey, it's fucking awesome, right? But, you know, this whole month has been full of nothing but awesome bands, you know, with Hellripper, Soulgrinder, Dead Wolf, Possessed Steel, and now Skyrider. Holy shit, February is only looking up from here. And then March is even higher. Why the fuck not, right? But before we get into the interview with Andrew, I want to take a moment here and say, you know, I live just north of Louisville, Kentucky. And this past Wednesday, we've got like three and a half, four inches of snow where I live. And what's so interesting about that to me is with the virus and how everything has changed for school kids and businesses, there's no snow days anymore at this point. Because when I was looking at the school closures, it said, oh, such and such school is closed, virtual learning only. And I was like, wow, that's a thing of the past at this point. Because, you know, I remember when I was like in like eighth or ninth grade, that we were snowed out for like three weeks. And that's just not going to happen for these kids anymore. They they don't have to. The, if the teacher gets snowed in too, the teachers are going to be able to teach from home. So, wow. that's I don't know how I feel about that. I just kind of feel bad for these kids that they'll never understand what it's like to, to get the news at like 8 o'clock on the night before that, hey, there's no school because the snow... And yeah, that's so weird to me, I guess. But anyway, let's talk about something else here for a second. So I was reading an article on Metal Sucks about Accepts Wolf Hoffman saying that the metal crowd has pretty much become less divisive, where 
all of these bands, you could be a fan of so many bands these days. And he's quoted as saying, the audience in general has gotten more relaxed over time. I remember in the 80s, it seemed to be that there were more fans of just one band. Either you were a Maiden fan, Saxon fan, or Judas Priest. You couldn't possibly be both for some weird reason. It was very much in separate corners almost, like football fans or soccer fans, where now it seems like people are much more open-minded. They like everything for what it is. Everything is relaxed and a bit more in that sense, it seems to me. I think a lot of it has to do with festivals now. People are so used to seeing 20 to 30 bands a day and all the different. They might not like it all, but at least they can check it out. And there's a coexistence which is quite peaceful, and it's never used to be like that in the 80s. So after reading that, I haven't got a chance to actually listen to the podcast that that came from. But at first glance at his quote on this kind of makes me think of uh, how the 80s where the glam and hair metals were feuding with all of the thrash metal bands and the death metal bands and so on and so forth. However, what I think is the issue today in this metal scene is gatekeeping. And that's one fucked up personality trait to have because you know what? You're allowed to like what you like despite what anybody else says. If you like Metallica, you like Star Wars, Fuck it, you know, like that, own it. If fucking somebody says, oh, well, you like Metallica, well, they're not metal. Or you like the sequel trilogy in the Star Wars universe, well, that's not really a fan thing to say. You know what, fuck that. You know, I just can't stand that whole gatekeeping thing. It really pisses me the fuck off. Because I saw it on a video on TikTok, and I've just been, like, stewing on this for, like, a week now. So... Don't fucking gatekeep people because it's bullshit. People like what they like. You know, I'm not a big fan of the band Knocked Loose. I understand what they uh, do and I'm proud of what they do because they're also from where I'm from. Not really my cup of tea in a music sense, but I can appreciate them. So, fuck. If you gatekeep, fuck off, okay? I don't want you listening to the show if you're a gatekeeper. Um, anyway... Before we get into the interview, also, let me uh, go out and say thanks to Mom's Music, Maxwell's House of Music, Tattoo Charlie's uh, Wrestling Steve Show, Kentucky Hot Brown Pedal Boards, all the Patreon subscribers, and a new sponsor uh, with Better Days Records on 921 Barrett Avenue, Louisville, Kentucky, 40203. Uh, holy fucking shit. Uh, we organized the metal section there over this past weekend, and... Wow, there's a lot of stuff in there, and more stuff is coming. So, get on there, check it out, look in the links below. You will also find the link to their official Discogs page for the record label with them, and the Discogs page for the store itself. So you can order stuff through there, you know, hit the website up, look at the Facebook page, you know, hit them up, order some stuff, and... Here's looking to some new metal coming in there in the next couple of weeks. Fucking right. Let's get into some Skyrider here. This is from the Volume 2 EP. This is Midnight Rider.
What's going on, Metalheads? I have Andrew McKnight from Skyrider in Newcastle on the line with me today. Andrew, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. Yourself? You know, I'm doing all right. You know, here we are coming up to the end of January, and the the show has been rolling along. I've been finding these awesome new bands like yours, and I'm I'm digging it because Skyrider kicks ass, dude. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, so tell everybody out there about Skyrider. Uh, so... Where to begin? It's, it's been a little while. It's been about three and a half years now since we started doing things as a band. It existed probably a little bit before that. It was originally a little side project that uh, Adam, our guitar player, had when he played bass in Seven Sisters. Um, it existed for a little while in London, and then he came back up to our neck of the woods where uh, he met me. We met, obviously, through me. We met Luke and Johnny as well, and uh, Milzy, who was our old vocalist. We all got together in uh, summer of 2017 from there we just started playing this this stuff that adam had written from a good year or so before which was just screamed ingvar malmstein in the original takes of it and in the original demos so obviously none of us could say no to playing it from there we released the first ep which was about six months later so that was 2018 yeah 2018 um released volume one and then we released volume two just last year gone Unfortunately, due to current circumstances, we're unable to kind of tour or promote that in the way we'd usually like to. But obviously, all things considered, we will be able to do it again at some point soon. Absolutely. Yeah, the coronavirus, COVID-19 thing has really hindered a lot of musicians on the aspect of touring. But with the music that you all put out, I'm sure, because you all put this out, volume two, that is, you all put it out right as coronavirus was really hitting in a lot of places. Yes. Because mm-hmm. it shows here it was the end of March of 2020 yeah yeah you guys really got hindered hard on that because <laughs> i'm sure you all had, had a tour or something planned um nothing concrete but we had plans we had plans to do things well we're looking to do europe this year or last year rather uh that didn't go ahead obviously and obviously we'll kind of look forward to doing it this year and that's not going to happen from the looks of it either so it's probably going to be the year after that we're going to end up doing it. Right. It's crazy because I'm seeing bands, you know, somewhat more of like a, a regional slash national level band mm-hmm. that are like putting out dates for the UK and Europe, which is yeah. inter- which is interesting to me because it's like, how are they getting these dates? I mean, if they're just going to have to cancel them. No, no. Um, it's wishful thinking more than anything. Uh, like I say, we didn't have anything in concrete. And to be honest, given given how much it would cost to do things in Europe nowadays, um, it's probably not even worth putting things in, in, in concrete plans at the moment until there's kind of a go ahead, obviously from the government here and the governments where we're going to be playing, that we're going to actually do that. We haven't had anything concrete. I mean, we only did the one gig last year. And that was just before the EP came out. So after that, we physically couldn't do anything. And we haven't even got any hints of anything that's going to be happening at any time soon either. So it seems a bit pointless to us to put anything in concrete plans. So let me ask you this then, if that's the case. Have you all thought about doing the live stream thing? We have. Uh, we have, but it's just kind of working around uh, the restrictions that we have here at the moment. And obviously the guys working and whatnot, and myself working, um, and the logistics of actually getting somewhere. 
because it's kind of been up and down the last year or so. Like we, we've been able to practice for like a couple of weeks and then not being able to, and then we've not done it for a couple of months and then we've been able to. So it's kind of been hard to kind of go down that route in terms of actually getting the promotion things. Then we've been doing things like this. We've been doing interviews and everything. It's probably only, it's probably the only, only way we could really do it at the moment. Right. And you're just building that PR at this point. Yeah, pretty much until, like I say, go ahead and do what we're planning to do. That's pretty much all we can do. Definitely. Well, looking here on the Bandcamp page, as always, links will be in the description below for that. It looks like your vinyl has sold out completely for for these. Yeah. Um, Which that's super only, cool. Yeah, that's really cool. We kind of we kind of dwindled the low number for a little while. And they all disappeared in one go. Obviously, at the last show we did, we didn't have any copies of the new the new release, so we purely relied on doing that online, and they just pretty much went straight after it came out. And we only sold out of them recently, but it, it's pretty amazing. I mean, Bandcamp's proven to be an absolute lifeline for guys like us and bands like us. So thanks, Bandcamp, for that. But uh, it, it's also just been really good to be able to still put music out while still not be able to tour it. Definitely. And I've spoke with so many independent bands that they've relied on Bandcamp over the last year. And... I said even on the show last week where it's like, you know, I've probably spent, a, you know, a couple thousand dollars on music in the last year just on Bandcamp. Yeah, yeah, and definitely. I, I think I was pretty much the same for the first part of last year. <laughs> right. It's a good tool to have these days because, you know, it gets people out there when you can't be out there playing shows. Yeah, definitely. And it, it helps it helps the artists out as well more than anything. Because uh, obviously streaming and everything's the big thing nowadays. But there's always that really strong contingent of people that are hell bent on getting physical physical media, and that's where the core of support really come from. And Bandcamp's facilitated that, so it's been ideal. Oh, absolutely! Like I said before on the show, is like you know the music as a collection piece. You know, you have a digital library just as much as you do have a physical library as well. Mm -hmm. So you guys are all in the same area. Mm -hmm. Tell me and walk me through how the writing process is for you guys. Um, it was a little bit different for each release. Uh, and it's a little bit different even now as we're looking to write the full length at some point. Um, with volume one, it was already written, essentially. Ad Adam had written the entire thing. Then it was just down to us to learn it and kind of put our own little unique spin on it. So it didn't take us anywhere near as long as the second one did because it was just a case of learning what was already there. Uh, volume two was a bit different because there was a couple of ideas already floating around that we kind of had around about the time we were playing songs from volume one and it, it was a, it was a case of really consolidating those as well and that really was working with brand new ideas so it took a little bit longer especially in terms of things like because you know we play ridiculous guitar lines basically is the only way to really put it so getting those together and find a way that it works for obviously both adam and johnny and uh, obviously find a way for me and luke to kind of click in with each other as well took a little bit more time because it was all brand new but there's always usually kind of some skeleton of it there there's always some kind of rough demo recording of whoever's had the idea it, it tends not to really go too far from that recording there's little bits that go in that make the that just make the whole thing a bit more unique to each of us volume two i mean like i, I listen back to the demos of something like midnight rider and then i think of what we have now and there's just bits that you totally wouldn't recognize but the actual song itself is still structured the same in that sort of way but with the new release, which we haven't really had a great deal of time to do, it's quite similar to that. It's quite similar to um, the recording process of Volume 2, because obviously we're working with totally new material again. 
only difference is we're trying to kind of bring a little bit more of a difference into it so you can actually tell that we've uh that obviously it's the full length and it's not just going to be a continuation of the eps we're actually trying to see if we can put something together in a bit more of a band way so we take like a skeleton of a song so yeah with the album it's much the same as it's going to, as it was with volume two so we have like the rough skeleton of the song and then it's brought to Bratless and we kind of add little bits in and we try and sneak in little bits from our different influences there because we're all into a lot of different things. So it's a case of trying to throw something really kind of you know quirky in there, something that none of the other guys have thought of and just trying to make it sound a little bit different because there's only so much you can really do with just kind of straightforward heavy metal. We try and throw little bits in there as well. Tend to find some of the better bands around nowadays actually do that really well. They kind of bring in a little bit of a blend of something else. And it makes them really distinct. So we're trying to kind of do that a little bit just to show that we're not just kind of speed freaks, really. We're trying to bring in a little bit more of a dynamic to it. Definitely. And and you don't want to rehash the same ideas as you did on the on the previous two EPs. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. In the grand scheme of things, you know, you don't want everything to be the same as the previous two EPs. And you've actually continued with like a musical evolution. Yeah, basically. We, we we talked about it a little bit at around about the time we were talking to High Roller about the release of the second EP. Um, the idea was kind of floated to put the two EPs together and release that as the full length, but we really didn't want to do that because we wanted to keep uh, the first EP as like a standalone, as like a fixed point in time. So we could then measure the second EP against it in any future releases. Obviously, there's like a progression, so we can see how, how much better the quality's gotten, what you've managed to bring into it and what's changed. Whereas if we put the two together, it, it would have kind of just, I wouldn't I wouldn't say muddied the two together, but it definitely would have kind of dragged volume one away from what it originally was, if that makes sense. It, it's almost kind of like a sentimental thing, I suppose you could say. Right. Well, you know, I think that's a thing that, you know, there's bands that go out and they remaster and remix everything all the time mm-hmm. and continue re-releasing the same things. Yeah. Once it's been remastered and remixed and re-released, it then begins to lose what it originally was. So, like, the luster Mm -hmm. of something that was originally done is no longer there because it's almost like the George Lucas 20-year remakes of the Star Wars trilogy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It becomes so different from what the original mystique was, Mm -hmm. it becomes lost again, and it it doesn't have the same impact as it did before. So Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And and I get that, because I've had people say to me, it's like, hey, Mark, why don't you re-release your all's first or second album? And it's like, because I look at it as like, if I wanted to do that, I would have done that well beyond 10 years after the fact. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I totally get the idea of not sandwiching together the two EPs. For one, I can tell, mm-hmm. so between 2016 and 2020, of the t- the four-year uh, age gap between the two of them, of the reason why, is because you're no longer in that same headspace as the first EP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it was, yeah. That is always a like a point of contention on, on musicians, I think. No, no, definitely. We're, we're really pleased that we didn't do that. Um, and to be honest, it kind of showed from even the people who listened to it that the two the two releases totally stand by themselves. And um, to be honest, it just kind of makes the full length when it happens all the more kind of, what would be the word I would use, kind of unique in its own way as well. It would have kind of, it it would have kind of provided, yeah, it would have provided that little bit of a special kind of feel because you've, you've had to wait for it basically. Definitely. I get that. That's a great concept to have as a band, in my opinion, because, like I said, it allows your musical evolution and growth as a person, even. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. So when you all do write and you say that 
you all bring in skeletal versions of the songs. Does that mean that you all do all this at home or do like the guitars get together and write first and then how does that work? It's only usually one person who has the idea. So like one of the guys will record it and uh, it, it, it's going to be honest. It's never usually me. Uh, so it's always usually one of the other guys who does it. Um, but it, uh, you know, there'll be like a rough skeleton of a song there. Quite a lot of the time, it's Adam who does it, or um, or it's Luke or Johnny. So then, when it comes in, like you know, you might get the two guitars get together and work something over. But a lot of the time, it doesn't really kind of start to take shape until it's kind of brought to practice when we're all there and I can actually put my rhythm section to it. That's when it really starts to kind of, that's when the ideas really start to fly because once you've got that, you know, fourth person in there who hasn't heard it yet, it kind of, you know, uh, it, it, it allows it to evolve by itself. Definitely. So when it comes down to it, vocals and everything, do they get put on last? Do you ever have a vocal thing where the singer will come up and say, hey, I've wrote this, let's put some music to it? Uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes sometimes there'll be a version where it's just the instrumental and it'll be like you know uh, 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 midi drums or something or electric drums just kind of in the background to cover it and then the lyrics are what we really kind of write, tend to write last with the last EP it was you know th- there was some very basic lyrics that were there but it mainly came down to Millsy to write them and, uh, and record them they're kind of there to guide the rhythm and obviously look for certain things we can add to them they're usually done last and you know they're usually usually not how they are are in, in the skeleton of the song they usually end up totally different or they end up getting reworked a few times i always think it's interesting how different bands do different things i was part of a band one time where a drummer always wanted to write the the song where yeah. he, he would have a beat and would play and be like write something to this and i think it becomes like if you don't have a really really good guitar player he basically mm-hmm. plays what's on the drums already <laughs> Oh yeah, it's so much harder to write songs as a drummer. I mean, I, I was I was a guitar player before I was a drummer, but even then, I would still struggle to do that. Usually, I rely on the other guys to do that because, in all honesty, they're much better songwriters than I am. So I uh, I tend to just work from them. I tend to be the the last thing to go on in terms of the demo or the idea. Understandable. With you being a multi instrumentalist, as you've just said, because you play guitar, you play bass and Venom Wolf as well, mm-hmm. and dr- and drums obviously for Skyrider. So when you do play any stringed instruments do you feel like you go to like a a little bit of a more of a rhythmic like a percussion while you're playing guitar or bass oh yeah yeah i've noticed that as well somebody else pointed it out too uh, quite a while ago you can feel the drums a lot better if you know what they're doing it's it's kind of the same as, as as anything else if you learn if you learn a bit of the instrument you learn what the other guys are doing and it, it works the same either way, so I can understand what the what the bass is doing and what the guitars do, and we're obviously playing with Skyrider. But um, with bass work or when I'm playing guitar or something, I can feel I can feel what the drummer's doing a lot easier, and I know how to work with it a bit better as well. Because obviously, because I've been there, you know, I've, I've sat in that point of view, I've sat I've sat in their seat, you know, quite literally sometimes, and uh, I can I can work much better with it. That's fascinating because it's almost like you get you you have like a a Cliff Burton quality at that point who can play part of what, you know, the guitars are playing and then part of what the drums are playing and just be intertwined between the various parts. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. So what's going on with the full length? Are you actually getting ready to record? How's this going? I mean, are you still massively in the writing process? There's some very rough demos of a couple of things. We 
didn't really get enough time, like I say, to write as much as we would have liked to over the last year or so, mainly because of the pandemic and um, the, um, just preparation for the release of Volume 2 and everything as well, I suppose. As things currently stand, we've got a few things written. Hopefully, we'll be able to get it finished at some point this year. We can't we can't work quite quickly if we want to, but it's just going to be a case of when we can all get together. Absolutely, because like I said, you're still going to be facing some COVID restrictions. Yeah, definitely. Oh, definitely. Obviously. When you all do the recording process, process with this is mm-hmm. it is it actually in a studio or are you all going to you know you have a friend that has a like a quote home studio yeah um usually it's always me in the studio it's it, it was it's always quite hard to actually find somewhere to record drums because you need obviously that specific kind of environment to do it you know cert- like certain practice rooms wouldn't cut it most of the time i'm the one who's done most of the recording in the studio just because we've needed it we've needed the space we've needed the microphones um the other guys are quite flexible it's kind of the beauty of recording music nowadays is you can do it from anywhere recording the last two eps there was bits recorded like you know adam did at home bits that luke did at home bits that they did together somewhere else it, it was the beauty of it whereas i'm kind of restricted to that one place so i imagine it would kind of be pretty much the same i think we'll record the drum parts in the studio and the guitar parts will probably be done elsewhere definitely because it would be really hard i'm sure your neighbors would be pissed off if you spent seven or eight hours in a in a studio setting in your in your house or apartment oh, or yeah. wherever you live as you're sitting there trying to get good good takes on like two or three songs mm-hmm. i'm digging this one but i gotta do this really fast so hang out for a second we're gonna come right back with andrew mcknight from skyrider here at the metal forge since 1973 tattoo charlie's has been an established body modification studio in kentucky Featuring world-renowned artists and piercers, currently with locations on Preston Highway and in Lexington. A staple point in the tattoo community. Learn more at TattooCharlie's.com. Set up your appointment today at 7904 Preston Highway. Our tattoos are done while you wait. Hey, it's Mark Maxwell at Maxwell's House of Music. Listen, all this stuff is now available to purchase on our website. Check it out at Maxwell'sHouseOfMusic.com. We carry all the top brands, like Fender. We got Gibson. We also have basses. We've got ukuleles. We've got drums. We've got sound gear. We've got keyboards. What inspires you to play music? Uh, oh, God. That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> it's one of those ones that when you get asked, you don't know how to answer it straight away. Um, I've always been around music growing up uh, I, I don't come from like a specific like you know musician family but I've always been around music growing up so obviously you, you obviously you grow up listening to what your parents listen to and then you get kind of in your early teenage years and you find different things just kind of like, like the diversity of it I suppose just how vast music is is really cool and I've always found that to be really interesting and the, the ways in which uh, you can do different things with it like I say I started out playing guitar and then obviously I've kind of changed what I played like, like uh, instrument wise as I've kind of expanded into other music so you know like when I was in my early teenage years I was big into punk I was big into things like that and then kind of when I was 15 16 I started getting a thrash and the drummers like the thrash drummers like people like Paul Bostaff Gene Hogland really kind of uh, ingrained themselves in my head and I was like all right okay I'm gonna be a drummer that and it's easier to get work as a drummer as well. But in terms of what keeps me kind of inspired about music, again, it's a really good question. But I suppose just kind of like um, the, the people I get to play with as well. Like, I've made some really good friends being in bands over the years. Like, the guys in Skyrider are all my really good friends. 
And um, some some of the guys I've even met playing with, like guys who come from overseas, there's been some like amazing like you know days or couple of days that I've that I've managed to have with people I wouldn't otherwise have met unless it, unless it was for music. Definitely. And I just want to point out something here that everybody noticed. He said he got into thrash drumming, but it was with Paul Bostoff and Gene Hoagland, not Lars. Mm-hmm. Not Lars. No, not Lars. No. <laughs> Uh, that's two weeks in a row uh, we've got to clown on Lars on the show so (laughs) Uh, but yeah there's so many good independent musicians that have come through like before we had started recording you had said with uh, High Spirits yeah yeah and definitely Chris is a super cool dude and who who you surround yourself with I think is a good thing and you did mention also in that that you know you grow up listening to what your parents listen to first when you get Mm -hmm. into music and i've only heard one other person say that ever and he was quoting somebody i heard henry rollins say that but he was being yeah okay he was being told by lemmy about when elvis came around that they didn't know anything else that they just Mm -hmm. had you know rosemary clooney and what your mom listened to type stuff and then they then they heard elvis and never looked back yeah you know that's a very astute point that like nobody really i guess pays attention to you you first get into music because your parents if they listen to in america here you know classic country or uh, over there, you know, they were uh, Beatles kids. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to place a date here. I'm trying to remember when something was. Yeah, when you when you grew up listening to what your parents listened to, like I say, you, you're kind of restricted until you get to a certain age. I, I wouldn't say restricted, but you're kind of fixated with the certain bands until you until you accidentally discover them. I grew up listening to things like ACDC and uh, Queen bands like that, kind of like the the eighties like big rock bands, really. And I discovered, I think, I think it was Iron Maiden. I discovered by a complete mistake. I was I was in school. I must have been about nine, ten years old. So the first time I had exposure, like proper heavy metal. And there was a teacher doing this lesson, and uh, the, I can't remember what the lesson was on, but they say like, you know, how does this music make you feel? And it was like, you know, is it calm? Is it something? Like that? And and I think the first thing she put on was like Mozart or something, something along those lines. It was quite a while ago. And then she changed it and she went, oh, so how does this make you guys feel? And it was Run of the Hills by Iron Maiden. And I was, I swear to God, I was hooked on it. I, you know, th- this was kind of like the pre-YouTube days. So I kind of had to go and like Google where I could listen to this song. And uh, I think it was all I listened to for about a week straight. And that was kind of like the first time I, I discovered music like by accident. Uh, and it kind of evolved from there, really. When somebody else turns you on to something that you've never heard before it, it is kind of mind-blowing yeah yeah de- definitely definitely well that's that's how most of us find what we listen to now isn't it i mean if it wasn't for things like youtube there's a lot of obscure 80s swedish bands who nobody would ever have heard of oh very much and you can find so many awesome demos from bands like um i found one the other day called phantasm not the movie like the the don costello yeah. film uh kudos to that and shout out to to him because I love that film series, but other than that, which was Catan from uh, Hyrax, you know, it was, oh, it, right. was, okay, it, was yeah. a, it was a little demo thing that he that he had done back in like 1987, and mm-hmm. listening to it completely blew me away. It was like, wow, yeah. it's like, what? Why did this not get picked up by something? There's so many bands like that, though, isn't there? Like, there's just so many bands that if there was any justice in the world in that day, there would have been that there, there would have been huge. Like the the, the one I always kind of like say to people who you know the, the band that should be much bigger is manila road 
Oh, Manoa nice. Road should have been w- leagues above where the others should have been way bigger. But, you know, you, you kind of hear some horror stories about labels back in the 80s, about just these completely bizarre circumstances that just stopped these bands from really kind of getting off the ground. Oh, absolutely. Another one that where we, you know, we've kind of clowned on them here on the show uh, before, but like Anvil. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. You know, what do they have, like 22 albums now or something? And they should have been bigger than what they were, aside from like the documentary saying that too but yeah they should have been bigger they just kind of oh, yeah. dropped off there's there's that bit at the start of the documentary where you know they're, they're playing like that massive all-day festival and like there's bon jovi's on the list scorpions like all these bands are huge bands and that's just again it's one of those really bizarre circumstances of where that band was almost kind of robbed by fate in a way oh very much of really kind of getting where they needed to be definitely and it's and it's kind of heartbreaking to watch the documentary because, you know, you feel so bad for the guys. They're just trying to get back what they had on something like Metal on Metal. No, no, I know, I know. Um, and it's really, I, I've actually seen the guys a couple of times and it's really interesting when you hear them talking about that. You know, if they're having conversations with somebody and, and they talk about, like, you know, the making of that film and everything, because that, that, that film gave them a new lease of life. Oh, that, yeah. that documentary. And it's amazing that, that, I very rarely see the bar that they played in packed out, but Anvil are one of the only bands I've ever seen do it, and that's incredible, considering they've managed to do that from, you know, being a band that literally fit into obscurity, and then had that one documentary, and then they're suddenly way back on top again. Oh, very much. Uh, this is why I love Metal Archives, because you can just look at some of this stuff and find these bands. It's and, amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. But let's talk about you some more here. Let's get into some personal questions. Uh, okay. These are general profile questions I've developed over the last year of doing the show, and they're more about you. Uh, you what makes you tick as a person, as a musician, you know, just everyday life stuff? Ooh, again, so, that's another good question, yeah. <laughs> uh, what album hmm. is a playthrough for you? From front to back? Front to back. Oh, I've got a few. I'm not gonna lie, I have I have quite a few of those. More the one than, that more than one's good. Yeah, um, both of Halloween's Keeper of the Seven Keys albums, both of them, back to front, all day, every day if I could. God, let's think. Really try to wrap my brains now. I'd probably say something like Defenders of the Faith as well. Defenders of the Faith is one I used to play all the time. I'll probably rattle off one more if I think. The one that the the one that I've like one of the newer ones that I've had playing back to front constantly recently is uh, True Barons by Freeways or Freeway. Right on. That's a great album. I was listening to that just today as well. Like when that came out, I think I managed to nab one of the final vinyl copies of it. And uh, I think when it turned up, I almost wore the needle out on my vinyl play with it, and I had it in the earphones and everything when it first came out. That was a great album. That one. In in, in terms of the one that I play like frequently at the minute, it's got to be either the Two Keeper the Seven Keys album. Right on, it's right good. on. Hell yeah. Uh, what's your biggest fear? Heights. I'm terrible with heights, and it's really it's really ironic for a, for a guy who's as tall as I am, but I, I'm really no good with heights. <laughs> really no good with wasps either. Uh, wasps are, are terrible. Horrible creatures. Height, heights <laughs> I can get to. Uh, yeah. Ugh. Um, you said for for as tall as you are, how tall are you? Uh, I'm six two. I mean, I, I don't know if some people probably say yeah, it's not tall, but I mean, stood next to some of the people I know. That's uh, you I know. think it's above average. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, my short ass is like five eight. So <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I know I'm I, I'm no good with heights. I had a real problem with walking over bridges mm. for years. I couldn't walk over bridges on foot. Uh, especially if there were like you know suspension bridges above a river or something because there's, there's a lot of them there's, mm. there's a lot of them kind of in this this part of the world 
and uh, I, I couldn't do it. Yeah, <laughs> I would cling to the side. That's rough. One of the things that gets me is like the industrial flooring, the like the metal grate flooring in like, oh, in yeah. like factories and, and stuff like that where you can see through it. No. Mm-hmm. Nope. Don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite animal? Oh, probably cats. Love cats. We, the, the, the weird creatures love them. <laughs> Definitely. Cats are good. I like cats too. What is your best quality? Ooh. It's an interesting one. <laughs> um, I suppose it, in, in a way, depending like depending how you look at it, it'll it also be a bad quality. But I'm I'm into a lot of stuff. I'm interested in a lot of stuff. I, I almost have like too many hobbies to kind of use with the time I actually have free. So I can hold a conversation about pretty much anything. But um, at the same time, I can't really kind of afford to do a lot of them as much as I'd like to. But yeah, I can hold a conversation about anything. I like to think I'm uh, I'm quite good at talking to people. Well versed, I would say. Yeah, that that's a good way of putting it. Well versed, yeah. Yeah. Jack of all trades, master of none kind of thing almost. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. That's that's That sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, I think most musicians are that way, honestly, because mm-hmm. cultured people kind of kind of talk, I guess. Where, you know, we we talk about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. That definitely goes for a lot of the musicians I know actually. For sure. What is one thing you'd change about yourself? Oh, I would have taken up music at a much younger age if I could have done. Especially drums. I'd have started playing music much earlier in my life if I could have done. Understandable. Uh, That seems to be a thing that I've noticed with a lot of musicians on the show as well, where they would want to, you know, like just last week, somebody had said that they would have changed their secondary education to a music major. Yeah, yeah. That that, that was one thing I remember when I was younger I really wanted to do was uh, doing music. But uh, again, somebody with too many interests, I ended up doing history instead because i love history too but yeah I, I would have loved to like that's probably another thing i would add I, I wish i would have done music at a much earlier age definitely right on this is a big one this is a new question what is your most unpopular music opinion Oof. right <laughs> that's a good one um see T- to be honest, like th- there's a lot that me and like uh, me and a lot of friends have that they they don't make it seem so controversial. But when you when you actually go out and say it to people, it's like what what are you talking about? <laughs> there's there's probably a couple, but like the the one that really comes to mind is that Turbo by Judas Priest is far and away one of the best albums they ever did. Like probably the best album they ever did. Right on. Uh, that's I I could see where that would be a very unpopular opinion. <laughs> very much. Because if anybody out there has read Confess by Rob Halford, he talks about what that album should have been. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, the, the actual events that were going on during the recording of that are horror stories. And it's oh. amazing because, like, you know, it was such a horror story going behind the scenes, but it's such, like, a, it's such an incredible sounding album. Very much. And the thing about it was, is, you know, that was actually supposed to be their first double album. Yeah, it was. It was. I'm, I, I didn't know that until recently, until somebody else pointed that out. Yeah. And somebody actually dug up, like, the, the artwork for the two because the Ram It Down artwork was going to be very similar. Right. And it was uh, called Twin Turbo. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. Our, it, um, like I said, I only found that out recently. It's, it's one of those things where you think you know a band and it blows your mind. Very much. But yeah, I definitely recommend anybody to read Confess by Rob Halford. It is such a good read. It's like he's sitting there telling you all of this story. But yeah, I could see where that would be a very unpopular opinion because, you know, you, <laughs> as you said a minute ago, you know, the play, one of the playthrough albums that you had was Defenders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for me, uh, I'm not too big of a fan of Defenders. <laughs> 
Oh, but, no, I, I've heard a lot of people say that, believe it or not. Well, I think you get, really, from 80s Priest, you get three groups of people. You get the ones who are very much into British Steel, you get the ones mm-hmm. who are very much into Screaming for Vengeance, and you get the ones who are very much into Defenders of the Faith. Yeah. And I think it's just a, a, a mindset type of thing, which I actually like both... British Steel and Screaming for Vengeance. Mm-hmm. What is something you would always wanted to do, but you don't have the coordination to do? Oh, could I could definitely apply that musically. One of the things I always wanted to do, and I've, I've started to learn how to do it, is I always want to learn how to play jazz drums. Mm. I've got I got big into jazz over the last few years because I found the drumming to be so like intricate and so different. And I've sat down on quite a few occasions and tried to work some things out but it's just it's a world away from metal drumming it really is because metal drumming's so rigid and coordinated uh, in places whereas jazz is so free you know it's quite free it's very much felt rather than coordinated but um honestly if if i if i could sit and spend more time doing that i would learn how to play jazz drums definitely, definitely. for sure i get that shout back out to neil from Rush on that, you know, yeah, he, yeah. he completely altered his mindset in the nineties by doing stuff like that and changed mm-hmm. his method of playing even, you know, where, yeah, he, yeah. where he played traditional hand. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, that, that's that, super uh, cool. Yeah. That, that was a really good insight. And he'll put that bit of the documentary as well, actually. Very much. Are you learning any new skills? Um, yeah, actually. One of the things that I said I, I was going to do at the start of the, the lockdown last year is I said I was going to learn how to skate because I'm big into ice hockey and I really wanted to play ice hockey. So uh, that's one of the things I'm working on at the moment. And um, I've started to relearn French as well. I, I, that's two things I'm kind of working on simultaneously. I've started to get back into learning French. Because I used to know kind of like very basic day, day French, but um, it kind of slipped away when I, when I wasn't using it. Uh, so I thought, oh, you know, there'll be something interesting to do in the next little while. So those two things probably. Right on. Hell yeah. Hockey, though. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Do you have, so do you watch actual like uh, NHL hockey, like, you know, American hockey? Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a nightmare with the time difference, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. The time difference for me is terrible too because I have a, I'm a fan of a West Coast team and they, oh, right. they always start at ten between ten and ten thirty my time. Oh right, <laughs> at, it's at like uh, it, it's probably not so bad at the minute because they're all doing it regionally. You know, like when I, when I'm watching games when they start at midnight if they're if they're like on the East Coast, sorry oh, yeah. on, on the East Coast, yeah. Uh, if, if they're starting at midnight, I'm not going to bed until like, you know, 2, 3 a.m. basically. Oh, oh hell yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite NHL team? I've, uh, I've been a Capitals boy for quite, for quite a long time. The, the, the first NHL game I ever watched was a Capitals game. So I've, uh, I've stuck by them. Hell yeah. Nothing wrong with that at all. They actually had a good, they've had a couple of really good seasons the last few years. They have, yeah. Stanley yeah. Cup three yeah. years ago. Yeah, definitely better, definitely better than my Kings are doing. <laughs> Oh God, yeah. <laughs> oh, I feel I, I, I've got a friend at work who's a Kings fan. I feel I, he, he wouldn't talk to me the day after we beat them last season. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. All right, we're going to take a real quick break. We're going to come back with more Andrew McKnight from Skyrider in Newcastle, England, here at the Metal Forge. Hey guys, Wrestling Steve of the Wrestling Steve Show here. Uh, so if you're currently listening to the Metal Forge with Mark Jackson, then you understand that Mark Jackson has a pretty discerning taste when it comes to music as a whole. You'll also understand that he has a discerning taste for professional wrestling, just like me. The, my show is called The Wrestling Steve Show. 
Uh, I talk about modern and classic pro wrestling in a completely unbiased, unfiltered way. Be sure to check me out on all available podcasting platforms. That is the Wrestling Steve Show, and I am the host, Wrestling Steve. Just remember, uh, like like Confucius said, uh, man who goes through turnstile in Thailand uh, is going to Bangkok. Pro wrestling. What's your favorite word? Oh, I'm trying. I'm desperately trying to think. Oh, no, here. You, I, I'm lost for ideas. Um, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I try, I try to think of ones I use on the regular. I had people. I tell you, I, I tell you what is. I tell you what is a really good word. Bastards a really good word. Bastards a really good word. Spoken like a true Englishman. <laughs> that, that's part. That's part of the reason I like it. I mean, I, I don't know if you've seen Sharp, uh, you know, the, the, the Sean Bean series, but, but like that, that's pretty much the archetypal like Northern Englishman is like someone who uses the word busted as like punctuation. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Midlands are too. It seems like. Yeah. Each, each part of the UK kind of has its own like profanity. It uses as, it uses as punctuation. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, like uh, I can't say it uh, on the show because in, in America, it means something completely different is, you know what? Uh, and if anybody wants to, find out what it was go listen to the hell ripper episode what james has said the best i can abbreviate is see you next tuesday Uh, yeah that's yeah that's a good abbreviation for it you know that's a that's definitely one of those you know one of those mate type words you know where you're just like you're talking to your your friends and you use it uh bastard seems like that is too which ironically enough we were talking about the motorhead thing earlier yeah yeah that that was originally going to be the name of motorhead yeah, it was. Yeah, interesting. That's a that's a good one. And he, and if you've ever watched any of his interviews, he definitely is. He's like, oh, he's a bunch of bastards, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. What do you invest too much time into? Oh, uh, aside from working. <laughs> aside, uh, aside from work and aside from music. Oh, reading. I read so much. I, uh, I I I actually read quite a lot, but I still say I don't spend enough time doing it. I'm a prolific reader. Right on. So what are you reading currently? Um, I've got a couple of things I'm reading. Uh, I'm reading, well, I've got like this leather, like this almost like leather bound version of like Conan the Barbarian stuff, like really early, early Conan. These, I've, I've also like kind of going back to the hockey uh, thing as well. I've got Ty Domi's book and I'm starting to work my way through that. And that that's going to be interesting. I saw the interview we gave about it. So I, I read quite a lot. I read a lot of like fantasy, a lot of history. I just want to try and get my hands on. Really, I'm, I'm quite a prolific reader, like I say. Right on, right on. What food can you not stand? Can I not stand? Oh, um, see, I used to really like it, but now I, I, I genuinely don't think I can abide abide it. I don't like cucumber. Mm. Cucumber is just one of the worst things in the world. Seems to be a very metal answer, honestly. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of people that a lot of people that say that I, I'm not a big fan of it personally either. It's uh, it's not so bad in something like sushi, but like on its own or in like a sandwich or something, the stuff is nightmare inducing. So I've got a couple more questions mm-hmm. for you. What album changed your life? Changed my life. Ooh. 
let's think. There's this but again, there's probably quite a lot. Um try to think back a little bit. Although I have to admit, in all honesty, the first one that really changed my life was that first Ramones album. That first Ramones album was the thing that really kind of got me to like faster and like more, like, you know, full on kind of music, really. Because like, when I was younger, I was into punk. So that first Ramones album had a really big impact on my life. Right on. So that, that first Ramones album, I'm, I'm trying to kind of go in order of my life at the moment. That first Ramones album, and I have to admit as well, um, I mentioned a couple of things by them, but Painkiller by Priest was the first like proper, like heavy album that I, I ever bought, I ever got into. Uh, that that was a big one because that was one of the things that kind of opened my eyes to drums a little bit. As anybody who's listened to that song or that album would probably tell you as well. But that that album was was amazing. Cause if I first heard that, I must have been about thirteen, fourteen years old, and it, it blew my mind. Right on. The Ramones album, the first album, Painkiller, they're great albums. And yeah, I can definitely see where they would be life-changing. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Before we get into the last question, how can people get a hold of Skyrider? How can they find you guys? How can they get music? How can they get merch? How do they do that? So music and merch is on Bandcamp. Um, both in the same place. We don't have any vinyl anymore, sadly. We do have CDs and things, though, and uh, digital versions, obviously. We use Instagram and Facebook as well. If you just search for Skyrider, we're the first thing that turns up. They're the only things we really use, so we're quite easy to find in, in few places. Definitely. And as always, down below, there will be links to the Instagram, the Facebook, and the Bandcamp page all the official outlets to purchase music and to contact these these guys and say, you know what, you guys are fucking awesome. Keep up the good work, and I'm looking forward to the full length. People need to send that to you because it's the truth. They do. They do. They really <laughs> do. Uh, now, do you also have any shout-outs you want to give to anybody? Oh, yeah, let's have a think. So, Duncan and Chris, obviously, the guys in Venom Wolf. The other guys in the band who were kind enough to let me off the leash to do this, is also a also a big thank you. They let you off the leash. Wait a second. They like, <laughs> they're like, what? An American guy wants to interview us? If uh, fuck you, do it, man. Is that, is that what you're saying? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I, I'm I'm the one who tends to do a lot of the writing and things. So um, I, I'm the one who tends to handle these sorts of things. So. Thanks to those guys as well. The guys in Trend Kill, Johnny's of the band, who have been a really solid bunch of dudes with us as well. And, and anybody who's really bought any of the Skyrider stuff in the last few years, it's it's meant an awful lot to us, especially this last year or so. It's really kind of kept our heads above water, and it's it, it's given us some sort of kind of mean at the music as well. It's great to see it's resonated with so many people. We love it. Absolutely. Whenever you, you're in a band, I get that 100%, man, that like whenever you're in a band and you you kind of start to get a little bit of discouragement going on when, when you release something and it's like, well, it didn't really hit the way I wanted it to hit. And then all of a sudden it kind of just fire catches and it blows up. Yeah, yeah. And and the, it's like a new, like you said with Anvil, it's like a new lease on life at that point. And you're just like, holy shit, this is great. I, I totally get that. So, last question of the show. What advice would you give someone? In your estimation of being a person, what is the best advice you could give anybody? Doesn't have to necessarily be related to music, just in general. Hmm. Let's have a think. That's the hardest one you've asked me so far. <laughs> That's why it's the last question. Yeah. Hmm. Let's have a think then. And honestly, I'd probably say something like 
the simple things are sometimes the better things as well. Like if like me, I tend to go walking a lot, and sometimes if you kind of look up a little bit and you have a look at like where you're walking or where you're going, you'll notice that you know things pretty cool. When they want to be like the small things are really, really cool. Very much. I agree with that because they do matter. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's kept me sane over this last uh, tumultuous period. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's like, to me, you know, d- detail oriented people, I think the small things are the details for most musicians. There's a, there's a lot of them that, that aren't, but for the most part, I think every musician is a detail oriented person on some level. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, paying attention, it's like that uh, stop and smell the roses saying, you know, the mm-hmm. cliche, very much. I I think that's awesome. So, yeah, if you're out there, do what he said. Pay attention to the small things. Andrew, thank you for coming on to the show this week. I've definitely really appreciated it and really had a good time here. So Yeah, me too, man. Me too. Definitely. On either of the two EPs, what, what do you want to play out today? Oh, the favorite one that we always do is probably Call in the Night. Call in the Night's one we always open practice with because it's the, it's the one that really gets us warmed up and gets us going. So I'd say call in the night. Alright, well, you heard it. This is from Volume 1 from Skyrider. This is Call in the Night.
Hey everybody, thank you for tuning into the Metal Forge this week. I really appreciate every last one of you that listens. But before I go any further, I do want to tell you that we do have a Patreon page here. And there's three tiers. There's the Dion and Dirty Dollar tier. It's just a buck. Hey, you're not going to miss a buck. Nobody does. Then there's the $5 Showstoppers tier, which you get a patch, stickers, whatever we have that's in that price range. And then there's the $20 a month Master, where you can get a t-shirt, any size, any color of the Metal Forge logo. Fuck yeah. That's awesome stuff. Oh, and by the way, if you donate on there, guess what? You get the show two days in advance from everybody else. Thank you all so much. It's patreon.com slash metalforgeradio. Check it out and donate today. I love you guys. Thank you. <laughs> 